0: Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Here we are, the last Sunday of the sixth month of the year. And we find ourselves in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. I introduced this book to you the first Sunday of the year. And we started at the end. The scripture that I read that first Sunday was from chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. We're going to look more in depth at this 13th chapter. But I read the final concluding words to you on the first Sunday of the year because I wanted us to have the end in mind as we moved through this incredible Book And you'll remember, if you remember, back in the first of the year, I told you that, that this letter of Romans is actually a sermon. And listen to how the author closes it off. Brothers, sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. <laughs> yeah, wrap your mind around that. In the first century, this was considered a short letter, a short sermon. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all the leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. And as we've worked our way through this book, we've talked about grace and how important it is for us not only to receive the lavish grace that God pours out upon us, but also to reach into that ocean of grace with as big a cup as we can find in order to share that grace with others. And again, mindful of Dallas Willard's great words, Christians ought to burn through grace the way a jet burns through fuel. And that's not just dipping ourselves in those waters of grace, but it's being willing to just share that grace upon everyone we encounter, whether they believe what we believe, whether they think what we think, whether they look like what we look like, it does not matter. Grace should carry the day. And what a beautiful song. Norman has more talent than any one person ought to have. But what a great, what a great reminder to us. The, 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 uh, the sermon title today, a Sacrifice of praise and in the 15th chapter of this verse uh, through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God for with such sacrifices God is pleased when I'm thinking about this throughout this week, I was drawn to an Old Testament story about King David. You know, and King David was, uh, is a controversial figure for some people. Of course, the Bible says that he's a man after God's own heart. But we know that he wasn't perfect. We know that. But David owned it. He didn't try to skirt it. When he did something wrong, he accepted it. And he asked for God for forgiveness. And we worship a God of forgiveness. And we can never afford to forget that. So one of the the things that David did, one day he decides that he wants to count all the the fighting people uh, in, in Israel which was a big mistake. God told him never to count on, on, on the people. Why? Because if you're counting on the people, you're not counting on God. And the, and the prophet warned him, David, don't do this thing. He does it anyway. And the Lord is angry with him. And David realizes, he realizes what he has done. And the Lord says to him, okay, David, this is, this is what's gonna happen. You're, you're gonna have your choice. Uh, Three things. Uh, You can have three years of famine in the land, three years of being pursued by your enemy, or three three months of being pursued by your enemy. Three years of famine, three months of being pursued by your enemy, or three days of pestilence. And David says, I don't want to fall into the hands of my enemy. I'm going to take the three days of pestilence and and throw myself at God's mercy. And so the three days of pestilence come, and it is devastating for Israel. And and, and as, as the angel of death is about ready to come into Jerusalem, the Lord stays his hand. And he stays his hand on the threshing floor of uh, Arona, the Jebusite. And so David goes to Arona and he says, he says, I want to buy this site as a place to offer up a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and, uh, And Arona says, it's all yours, king. And I'm sure under his breath, he's saying, just let me live. It's it's all yours. It's good to be king. And, and And David says, No. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. Now, you know what's really cool about the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite? It was on Mount Moriah. And you know what happened on Mount Moriah? that's where Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac and the Lord stayed his hand. That was the place ultimately where the temple would be built. That was a sacred site that David purchased because he said, I will not offer a sacrifice to my Lord that costs us nothing, that costs me nothing. And I'm thinking about that as I'm reading through this 15th chapter, especially, uh, 13th chapter of Hebrews, especially verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus Christ, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. What does a sacrifice of praise cost us today? For far be it for us, to offer a sacrifice to our Lord that costs us nothing. So we come to this final chapter of the book of Hebrews, and it's the so what of the sermon. The author of Hebrews has built this incredible theological case establishing Jesus as the high priest the one who advocates for us, the one who has offered up his own life as an atonement for our sin and broken through that veil and and ushering us into the very presence of God. And through Jesus Christ, God has declared forensically, legally, that we are not guilty. Forgiveness is ours. So after building this case, we come to this final chapter, which is, okay, so what do you do with your life? Listen to the word. Chapter 13, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Number one, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What? can people do to me remember your leaders who spoke the word of god to you consider the outcome of the way of, of their way of life and imitate their faith jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside of the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come through Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as people who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace Oh, brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all of your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. What a great way to conclude an incredible sermon that shares with us the insights and the depths of the all-sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. But knowing that, knowing who Jesus is, knowing that he's higher than the angels, knowing that he's higher than Moses, knowing that he is higher than the high priest, so what? What difference does that make in our lives? As the great late Francis Schaeffer once asked, how then shall we live? How do we live our lives? What difference does it make? And the author of Hebrews says it ought to make a whole world a difference to you. And what does he do? He goes back. To that, uh, 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 to that moral compass that God provided. The Ten Commandments, the ethics of how we should live with one another. And as I've said always, well not always, but for a long time I've said, this is our challenge, to embrace this moral ethic that God has given to us and punctuate it with grace. Grace. Because there's not a commandment, there's not, there's not uh, 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 an ethic that, that we haven't broken, that we haven't failed. It's not about our failures. It's about rising up and not letting failure become a pattern in our lives. The Jews have excelled historically. Why? Why? Even Charles Murray, in his book uh, on human achievement, has a section in there dedicated just to the accomplishments of the Jewish people. And he asks the question, how is it that this tiny portion of our population can have this incredible impact? And what's the answer to that? Well, they got a 1,500-year head start, people. They got the law 1,500 years before Jesus brought the rest of us in. And guess what? When we live within God's moral framework, we thrive. But we live within that moral framework, punctuated with grace. Again, what does Micah 6, 8 say? Be just people who love mercy and walk humbly with God. Be just people who love mercy and walk humbly with God. This whole first section is about recapturing that ethic. Beginning with love. Loving each other as brothers and sisters. The greatest commandment is love. By your love for one another, they will know you are my disciples. And how did Jesus love? Jesus loved through service and through sacrifice to others. Love to love is to will the good of others entertaining strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Can you imagine? I know I've told you about uh, the, uh, uh, Stuart, who was the, one, one of the first guys that I worked with when I, when I came into ministry. And he was at a, he was at a covenant church in Oakland. And, uh, a, and a stranger walked in one evening as the youth group was ending. And he said, I, I just need a place to stay the night. And they brought him into this little uh, uh, kitchen that they had and there was food in the counter and they gave him a bedroll and uh, and said, we'll see you in the morning. And when they went the next morning, the guy was gone. The food hadn't been touched, the bedroll hadn't been touched, and nothing was changed. And he says, to this day, I believe that he was an angel to see if we would offer hospitality. He said, thank God we did. And then he goes on and he talks about just ethics. He talks about about marriage uh, uh, and, and how important it is because it was not important in the first century. You know, we think that our world is so different than it was in the first century. It's not. The same things that we battle with are the same things that they battled with. Technology has not solved the fundamental problems of humanity and it never will because the fundamental Problems with humanity deal with sin. And until we deal with sin in our own lives, there is no hope. And that's what Jesus has done for us with the promise that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? And then there's this little caveat that most scholars think refer back to the, tw- to the 11th chapter. Remember the 11th chapter, that, that great chapter of the people of faith? People who died without ever receiving the fullness of the promises that God had given to them? Because it wasn't about the promises. It was about the promise maker. And they were focused on God who saw them through and they achieved what we one day hope to achieve, a city that is eternal. That's what we're looking for, people. That's what we're looking for. And the Lord is our helper, and we need not be afraid. Christ, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change, people. Jesus is exactly the same today as he was in the first century. And he is is as present to us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit as he was to the disciples in the first century. He who is the same yesterday, today, and forever will never leave us, will never forsake us. Do you believe that? I hope so. I hope so. Because if we don't believe that, we've got bigger issues And this whole section about being carried away with strange teachings, how important it is for us to know the word of God. Remember we talked about those internal and external authorities. And we all have them. We have two external authorities. We have two internal authorities. Our external authorities, one is spiritual, one is secular. We have the moral, the word of God is an external authority in our lives. And we've got the culture around us. Pressing in on us, and they are an authority. And if you think not, go argue with Madison Madison Avenue because advertising is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. If it didn't work, they wouldn't be putting money into it or into television, into entertainment. The messages that we are getting, those are the external authorities which has priority in your life. The culture or the word of God. And there are internal authorities as well. The internal authority of the Holy Spirit or the internal authority of your own conscience. And, 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 and how do we prioritize that? The person who says, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And you say, what in the world does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that they have put their own conscience as a higher authority in their lives than the Holy Spirit. And nine times out of 10, they put the cultural norms at a higher authority than the word of God. Strange teachings. Don't get caught into it. And then he doesn't miss a beat. The author doesn't miss a beat, but to draw us back to the importance of Jesus and his sacrifice as the ultimate sacrifice that brings us into the presence of God. So let, our, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices. Please, God, we can just stop right there, people, because this is where we are today. We need to be people that honor and celebrate God in our lives while we do good deeds and good things to other people. Not not as a way to to balance the scale in our favor so that when we finally get up there, God says, "Okay, let me look at the ledger here. Okay, there, David, you know, oh, you had 101 good deeds. You barely squeaked by because there's 100 things here that I could do but you got one to your credit, so the scales fall in your direction, so you're saved by the skin of your teeth. That's bad theology, people. That's bad theology. It doesn't work that way. It's grace. It's celebrating what God has done, but then living our lives for others. And that's the challenge that we face today when we stand on a biblical ethic and try to reach out and do good to other people. This week has been a difficult week for us here in Coronado. Was there anybody here at the basketball game on Saturday night? You were there? Yeah. Yeah. There was bad behavior on both sides. And you know who I blame? I blame the parents. Not the students, I blame the coaches. Not the students, not the players. I blame the referees, not the students. You know what the students were doing? They were playing basketball. You ever play basketball? They say it's a non-contact sport. <laughs> yeah. You laugh. And two weeks, two weeks ago, there was, a, there was a game in which these two teams met and somebody on the other team tackled one of our guys on the court. They went into that game with tempers and it was it was a it was a tender box and i don't play basketball but my associate pastor plays basketball and he tells me that talking smack is part of the game you just go out there and you badmouth people and you know where they learn that they learn that from the pros you remember charles barkley i don't want to be a role model to anybody well tough you don't get to choose sometimes so these kids go out there, and it was, it was a hard-fought game. And my understanding is that during the game, the parents in the stands were inappropriate. Now, this is where I called the referees to count, and they should have said, listen, people, if it gets out of hand, and coaches, I'm going to hold you responsible for the parents on your side. And they should have sat down the coaches and said, you need to set an example. This is about sportsmanship. And they should have said to the players, and you need to be good sports out there on the court as well. And there should have been zero tolerance. They knew it was heated going in. And what I understand is that after that final shot, they came across and it was not a friendly gathering. And then the person that threw the tortillas, that was, an after, uh, 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 it was after the main confrontation, which is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. I think that person ought to be banned from any future school events. It wasn't about the students. It was about the parents and the coaches and the referees. And I get an email that says, where's the church? absent again and i said excuse me but we get access to that campus one hour once a week and we have programs here where we are trying to teach people how to live in god's grace how 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 are we culpable in this but somehow Coronado, we are a racist community and we at Grand Memorial are a racist church and I'm a racist pastor. And my heart breaks. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart because I have overcome the world. They hated me, they're gonna hate you. And the challenge for us is not to reach for hate, but to reach for grace. May grace be upon us all, especially in this time. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it, why it matters. And we need to experience this ethic right here within our own community. We need to hold each other accountable because if we can't do it here, we have no voice out there. And that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It means that we have to be people who aspire to a higher ground who are willing to pour out grace rather than condemnation because that's the example that has been given to us in our Lord and Savior. What is a sacrifice of praise? To honor Christ in all we do, not out of obligation not out of duty, but out of gratitude for what has been given to us on the cross. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. The days are challenging, but our God is up to the challenge. Let him fight the battles, and let us be people who are known, by our love and by our grace and our mercy. And pray. May I ask you to pray. Pray for yourselves. Pray for our community. Pray for your pastors. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the students. And pray that the message of the gospel might be seen and heard by everyone we come into contact with. That, my friends, is the sacrifice Let us not offer a sacrifice of praise that costs us nothing.